It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, folks. Welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, where our goal every week is to help you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name's Mike Bernard, and in the studio with me, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory, my colleagues and fellow financial advisors at Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for spending the hour with us. Yeah, today's show is coming from you, our listeners. We've got three awesome questions that we're really going to dive deep into today. Topics like retirement planning, college planning, and we're even going to get into life insurance a little bit. So thanks for helping direct the show today with great questions. So you're driving the content today. We're answering your questions. WiseMoneyRadio.com is where you can get information about the show, and you can leave your own question right there. And all the details, we want to help you with it. Also, if you're driving, you can also leave that question on the voicemail box, 574-222-2000. First question is awesome. It's coming from Tom. Tom is 55 from South Bend. He says, hey, Mike, my wife and I just officially became empty nesters, and it's finally time to start thinking about retirement. Unfortunately, we don't have much saved up at this point, and I'm wondering what we need to start doing. What do you guys suggest? Great question, Tom. It is a good question, but I I want to challenge something actually that he says in this question because especially our younger listeners, I don't want you to hear what Tom asked and just assume that this is the gospel truth. He he makes a comment that it's finally time to start thinking about retirement and here he is at age 55. And I think there is a trap out there financially that a lot of people fall into that retirement is something that you focus on after you've hit all the other goals that come before it in the time timeline of your life, really. And we've said on this show many, many times, and hear it again from us, the best time to start thinking about the end of your earning years is at the beginning of your earning years. Yeah. Get yes. started earlier. You have to do a lot less heavy lifting if you start earlier. Yeah, time plays a big factor in your in your readiness really for any financial goal. Time is a big factor. It's either working for you or it could be working against you. And the sooner you start, you get that get yeah, get time working for you. Yes, yeah, it's certainly at 55 your ability to change your habits is different than if you were 45 or 35 or even 25 and starting. Because I mean, I mean, part of what you're asking, Tom, is how do I change my habits? And as far as we can tell, your habit currently is to live on all or most of what you make. Well, so that, that might not be true. He's saying he's finally an empty nester. Maybe his circumstances or cash flow has changed. Right, but what I'm saying is his habit is living on all that he makes. If he hasn't, if he's been saving a bunch, he's got a bunch saved. If he hasn't, he's been living on it all. And so you look at that and you say, well, so how do you? Because really, Tom, what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to stop doing something, which is living on most or all of what you make, and you have to start doing something which you haven't been doing, which is saving and accumulating. And in there might be some sort of sacrifice that will, you know, we can talk about, but it, it's about uh, preparing for a future goal. 
Yeah, well, but Tom's not alone. Definitely not alone. I saw an article recently in Money Magazine that 56% of people have less than $10,000 saved for retirement. Is that mind-boggling or it, what? It is, but in, in here, my brain starts thinking, well, it's because they you know, looked at people from age 18 all the way on up. But get this. So if you dive down that... Uh, Oh my goodness, it's about the same percentage. I don't have the figure right in front of me, but it's about the same percentage of people are who are age 55 or older have less than 10 about 50% of the people have less than 10 grand saved up for retirement, even if you're right on the cusp of retiring. Yeah. And, and Mike, that makes my point is that if you haven't established the habit starting the ha- I mean if the if the folks that have less than 10,000 saved, it's pretty much the same whether you're young or you're old. If you're not in the habit of saving, it's really, really tough to get started. That's right. Those dollars aren't going to save themselves, right? Yeah. So, uh, if you barely have anything accumulated, saving is going to be part of the prescription that we put together. The the question though is, how much do you need to save? How much can you afford to save? Mm-hmm. And you know, teasing out the answer to that question is part of the retirement process itself, retirement planning process. That is. Yeah. So when you so you think about a retirement plan, and you think of what are the components of a good retirement plan, you have to consider the age at which you want to retire, the number of years that you'll depend on your retirement savings, and an estimate of your annual living expenses in retirement, so partially based off what you spend today. And then you have to consider the amount that you've saved or that you are saving on an annual basis. Yeah, we don't know how much time Tom thinks he has before retirement, right? Good question. I mean, a Good lot point. of his peers may be, well, I'm retiring at 62 because that's the soonest that I can get Social Security, and I just want to be done, whether I'm ready or not. So for him, does he think he has seven years to get ready for retirement? Is he willing to go to age 70 so he's got more like 15 years? That's a huge difference. Uh, oh, difference in how much risk you can take with your investments, just how much time you can let it grow mm-hmm. before you start tapping into it. So the, the the timeline for this goal is one of the first things that Tom has to define, yeah. and it may already be defined for him, quite frankly. Yeah. To take a step back, though, I'm, I, you mentioned how much risk you're able to take. I'm wondering also if that's maybe why Tom hasn't gotten started. Kevin, you're saying that he's lived maybe on all of his income, but what about the folks who are just nervous or afraid to save up for this goal because they've got to put their money put their money at risk in the stock market and they just don't trust it. I think that that thinking could lead a lot of people to not save up. I think it could, but isn't that usually people who have already been in the stock market and, you know, they live through a 2008 or 2009 and so now they're kind of running scared from the stock market? Someone who hasn't they, they've never dived in at all. Um, you know, they may be less likely to have investment risk be the thing that's keeping them out. I'm with Kevin. I I think this is more an issue of, I got busy with life early on, and retirement, that's so far out in the future, I'll I'll get there eventually, I'll deal with it when I'm closer to to that age. Yeah, I think when you talk about risks, Mike, I think, and the reason why we are financial planners and why people work with us is to really help assess risk. The, the job of a financial planner is risk assessment and risk transfer, managing risk. Because I would look at, if you're concerned about the risk of your money being in the stock market, and that's really volatility, that your money can go up or go down depending on what the stock market does, I think the real risk is, what happens if I need to move back in with my kids? What, the, the risk of, hey, I haven't prepared for retirement, and um, 
I'm going to be on a fixed income, and it, I might have some health issues. I haven't done a good job of preparing for retirement, and the job that I have isn't going to be around in in ten more years because the the my occupation is changing. So I would, when I'm considering risks, I think the biggest risk is that I do nothing. Yeah, that 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 is. You say where where's the danger zone here? The danger zone here is that Tom from South Bend does nothing. Well, and age fifty five is not too late to start. So you started talking about Josh, some of the planning that goes into this. I mean, let's turn to kind of find the solution here for Tom. Is that mm-hmm. to start? basically sit down with a planner and create a plan. Well, that would be our biased opinion, right? That you need to have a coach, someone who's not emotionally charged about your retirement, who can kind of guide you through the process. And the the whole issue is figuring out where are you today relative to the goal? What kind of gap is there between what you have now and what you need to accumulate? And from there, we can figure out then what's what's the game plan? What's the What are the action items that you need to take in order to start closing that gap? And we know it's going to involve some sort of sacrifice. That was a word I heard you say earlier, Kevin. And t- to me, though, the question is, what kind of sacrifice are you going to make? Are you going to sacrifice during the preparation phase, or are you going to sacrifice during the enjoyment of the goal phase? Uh, interesting. You will sacrifice somewhere, though. So right? you're, you're saying that one sacrifice could be saving today, so not spending and enjoying that money. But the flip side of that sacrifice is you might need to work longer than you really wanted to, or you might not be able to spend as much as you really exactly. hoped. Exactly. You, you get out there, you're stuck with what you have accumulated. It, it's too late to do anything about it if you're in your late 60s or early 70s. And now the sacrifice has been kind of forced upon yourself by yourself. And that is maybe you don't get to enjoy the lifestyle that you once envisioned for yourself. Interesting. And that could be part of the risk or the the peril of waiting to plan. If you don't have time on your side, then your some of your choices or options there might be limited. That's exactly yep. right. Yeah, because I think when I think about having a, a financial planner, I think think of, of, of a coach and a good coach, someone to coach you through those trade-offs. And, you know, live on more, work longer. That is the action item, by the way. That is what you need to take away from from this discussion. You need to find a financial advisor who can coach you through this. And absent that, I would go check out our podcast, our previous episode on this very issue, one built for the empty nesters themselves. Great, great question, Tom, about retirement. Coming up, we've got another question from Jason about saving up for college here on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hey, folks, welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike Bernard, and with me in the studio, Kevin and Josh from Corhorn Financial Group. In case you're just joining us, we spent the first segment talking about Tom's question about planning for retirement, even if you're getting started late in life, uh, say, in your mid-50s. So, great question there. We're going to hit another question here from Jason about college. But first, Josh, you've, you had something exciting happen at your alma mater recently. Can you tell us a little bit about 
about uh, what you were doing over at Bethel? Oh, yeah. Well, there's been a lot of good stuff going on at Bethel. I, you know, the, the three of us have gotten to be a part of launching a new financial planning major at Bethel. That starts in the fall. That's exciting. But with, with being on campus um, so much lately, I got to participate in a ribbon-cutting ceremony for a new, uh, they call it the Bethel Innovation Gateway, which is basically a specialized classroom that they're um, using as kind of a symbol for a new initiative to focus on innovation and creativity in really transforming the way that school is done at the college and oh, university level. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about what they're doing, and it was yeah, it was a nice honor to be a part of it. And where they are a sponsor of the show here, which is yeah. which is great as well. So, and that's that's a fairly good segue because Jason, age 37 from Granger, has a question about planning for college and sending his kids off there. So, all right, here's what he says: I'm really struggling with saving for college. My wife and I have two kids, ages eight and 11, and we've been putting money aside for college, but occasionally, not very much. It really feels like we need to start getting more serious about this goal, but I'm sure it's going to require a lot of money, and we just don't have a lot of additional money we can save right now. Plus, how much sacrifice should we make to send our kids to school when there's so much talk at the government level paying for college that the government could pay for it, which is <laughs> interesting yeah. he brings it up. Timely question. In addition, I imagine the amount you need to save depends greatly on the cost of the school. And since we have no idea where our kids are going, how much should you be saving? How do you plan for such a big goal when there are so many unknowns? Great question. Several I, questions. I like the question. I, I can't help but to kind of notice there's a lot of emotion in this question, too. And, and maybe I'm reading into it a little bit too much, but I, I'm sensing from Jason that there's maybe even a little bit of guilt, like, oh, we're not saving as much as we should be, and we really need to get started, get get focused on this goal, get serious about it, I think was the phrase that he used, and um, and that he needs to be doing more than, than he actually is. And I I don't know. I, I would want to try to, first of all, relieve Jason from some of that guilt, um, or at least give him a process for how to not feel guilty about it. There, there's a, a mentality that I keep seeing more and more amongst parents uh, who, when, when they're talking about college planning, a very emotional topic, because it's your kids, after all. Sure. Um, th- there's this feeling like, if I don't pay for my kids' college education, then I'm not doing my job as a parent. It, it's, it's almost this, I don't know, self inflicted um, responsibility or, or something. And I, I think I would make sure that you're rephrasing that that job description of a parent. Your job is to help launch the kids from the nest, to, to nurture them and help them build the character and the competence that they need to not be dependent upon you the rest of their life, right? Yeah. And college may be an important tool that you use to to build into them. You know, it, it may be where you put the finishing touches on the skills that that they need in life. But is it the responsibility of a parent? You know, I, I personally I wouldn't place too much of that on your shoulders. I think part of it should the the, the student themselves should bear at least part of that responsibility. Yeah, and I think you you just want to have a plan. Whatever your plan is, whether you're on the hook for 100% of your kid's education or half or none, whatever the plan is, you want to have a plan and you want to communicate it. Because it's in, you know, baked into this question is who, who are the participants in the plan? So it sounds like, Jason, you and your wife will be participants. The kids will be participants. And, the, and one of your 
part of your question is what will the government be a participant hmm. and what what role will the government play in educating your children beyond the 12th grade so will it be will they play a role of financing your kids education will they um, you know, adjust the tax code so the other taxpayers pay for your kids' education. So your views on these answers um, are certainly going to impact how you make your decisions. That's interesting. See, I looked at it from a, a different angle. I, I read his question in simply, should I plan for this? Listen, the, the government might provide a solution. My kid might go to an inexpensive school. I think a lot of people, he doesn't say to here, but a lot of people say, should I plan for this because my kid might get a scholarship? Is it really worth sacrificing for? That's, that's what I heard. And what's your guys' take? I mean, in all of that, is this a goal worth planning for? I think it has to be because take take the government's going to pay for it all scenario. Why should I save up for my kids' education? Because there are some politicians out there today saying that oh, it should all be free anyway. Well, to me, if if college is one of the tools that helps you uh, move your child from childhood into adulthood, help them become independent in life, then. Planning as though the government is going to pay for it, isn't that an exercise in teaching them dependency? Ah, interesting. You know, but we've been teaching them that for 18 years. At least that's what I teach my kids. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But that's 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 great. But that's good, you know, the, the scholarship issue is a totally different one. It may seem like it's the same, but uh, is my child going to be one of the few who gets the full ride because of their amazing soccer skills or basketball skills or whatever? The the, the percentages, the statistics are working against you there, right? I mean, they have to be an absolute standout all-star in order to see that uh, actually pay for college. Okay, if you're just joining us, we're, we're hitting questions today. Jason's got a question about planning for college. So, he brought up all these what-ifs and so on, and we've kind of been bantering a bit on, on really what he's asking, but what's the solution? So, if someone is finding themselves in the same situation, couple kids haven't saved much for college, what's their first step? What do they do? Well, and I, I kind of want to answer the question that you asked as well, whether it's a yes, I should plan or no, I shouldn't. If my philosophy is no, I shouldn't plan, then what I need to be doing is do all of my financial planning using versatile tools that could be used for education, but don't have to be. That was going to be my suggestion. I wonder if Jason should consider funding a Roth IRA if he's eligible. One solution for him could be, hey, explore the Roth IRA. Our favorite tool for saving up for college is the five. 29 plan because it is specifically built for college and you get some tax benefits if you pay Indiana state tax. You could get some tax benefits for that and possibly some tax deferred growth. But if you're unsure, use a versatile tool. The most versatile that I know of that's still a tax shelter is a Roth IRA. That'd be one piece of advice. The, the thing I like about either of the options that you just mentioned, Roth IRA or a 529 plan, is that you can set up an automatic contribution. That was one of the things that stood out to me about Jason's question. He says that we're saving, but it's kind of sporadic, right? And when you're inconsistent in your saving, it's usually because life is often getting in the way. You've, you've got other things that seem more important, and so really the college goal is getting the leftovers. If this really is one of your most important goals, then why not set it up to where the first dollars or some of the early dollars are being pulled right off the top, off of either your paycheck or out of your bank account, and fund 
hitting this goal at the right level each month consistently. Yeah, it sounds like Jason's cash flow has stretch marks on it, and he's really kind of struggling with what do I do? How do I get the bills paid today? And one of the one of the interesting ideas that I might give you, Jason, is to take a look at your mortgage. And your your first kid's going to hit college in seven years. If there's any way that you could adjust what you're paying on your mortgage to get your mortgage paid off in seven years, you'd have some freed up cash flow right there. I love that idea. And and you'd be you'd be positioning yourself financially to be free. To be more independent, which is you know to play on what Josh said earlier about being financially financially dependent. So okay, and. I think what I would do as well, if you're if you're working with the kids and training the kids, use some sort of an envelope system. Tell them, look, you're going to be participating in your education. So for every dollar you get, two quarters needs to go into the education envelope because you are going to be paying for part of your education. And I've seen some really fun, creative ideas with saying, hey, you know, the parents or the grandparents might say, hey, whatever you save for your education, we'll do a matching program or something like that. But really incentivize and encourage the kids to get involved and take it on as their education. They they need to own it and, and, and do it themselves. And I love that idea, too. So, okay, we're talking about Jason's question here about planning for college, saving for college. We're not quite done giving suggestions and solutions, and then we're going to wrap it up with a call to action before we move on. So that coming up and more here on Wise Money with Colburn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name's Mike with Kevin and Josh. We're talking about college planning. We've already talked about retirement, some really big questions. You guys, listeners, you are all driving the content today. So we are just answering your questions, and it's been good so far. If you have a question, give us a call, 574-222-2000. Leave your question and all the details, as much details as you can. We'll keep any confidential stuff off the airways, but... Leave as much detail as you can right there on the voicemail. Or you can leave a question online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can also get more information on the show. Click on the link to listen to all the past episodes and all of that as well. So thanks for tuning in with us. We are right in the middle. Actually, we're wrapping up Jason's question about college planning. And basically, he's saying kids are 8 and 11. They We don't have much saved for college. And there's a lot of unknowns. Should we even sacrifice for this goal or not? We're just wrapping up suggestions and then going to call to action. Josh, you had a few more things you wanted to add. Well, I, I wanted to emphasize one of the points that Jason was asking because he's kind of implying here, you know, I, I don't know what school my, my kids are going to go to. Again, they're in, what, second and maybe fourth grade, something like that. So obviously, you don't know where they're going to be. So how do you plan for a school when you don't know what the price tag is going to be or anything like that? I think that gets a lot of people stuck. I really exactly. do. Exactly. Exactly. But it doesn't have to get you stuck. And in fact, I would encourage you to not let it get you stuck. There's still planning that you can be doing, or there's ways that you can define what the goal really is based on some proxy of a school. You know, I'll take for for example, my wife and I both went to Bethel College, and um, so we might define the college goal for our kids being maybe we want to pay for half of a Bethel College. 
yeah. uh, tuition or, or the cost of, of Bethel. But it doesn't lock you in to saying, well, they have to go to Bethel. Exactly. Even though you'd say that. Yeah, and no, you buy no, them all the shirts. We Every time I see your kids, they're in Bethel. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, they're in Michigan gear. That's they're right. Those. I'm brainwashing. There you go. Buy their uh, allegiance early. So, but another suggestion along the same lines is is talking with your spouse and having a goal for a flat dollar amount. Listen, we want to have twenty thousand. We want to save up twenty thousand for each of our kids. That way, hey, if they want to go to Notre Dame, that'll buy them books. I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> uh, but if they want to go to IUSB, they can stretch that or squeeze that as much as they want. So that's another way of getting around the hurdle of I don't know where they're going to go. What, what I love about that though is when you define what your role is going to to be by definition, it also defines what their responsibility is going to be, and it gives them choice. So, if you said, "Hey, our goal is to accumulate that twenty thousand that you used as an example," you're you're not just giving them a blank ch- blank check for twenty grand or anything like that, but you're giving them uh, ownership. They get to be involved in. Well, do I want to go to a more expensive school and just know that a greater percentage of the responsibility is going to stay on my own shoulders, or am I going to find a more economical way to make a great investment in my future? Future with a different school. All right, let's let's kind of round this up here. So so the call to action here for Jason or anyone that can relate to Jason's story. I just heard the first one, and that is talk to your spouse and and find out what your guys's plan is for college. For some of you, it might be no, they're going to pay for it all themselves, and no judgment there. And Josh already said, relieve yourself of that responsibility, that that guilt if if that's what you guys are thinking, or if you're gonna if you want to fund half or a third or something, connect with your spouse and figure out what this goal means to you and what the target looks like. Yeah, and I would set a date. I would, if you're listening today, I would say, listen, uh, by June 30th, we're going to have an education plan for our kids. I would, I would uh, give myself some sort of a deadline, and I would talk to my spouse about that and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a plan. And then I would work with either, you know, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, do it yourself. If you have a, a planner and make sure that planner is certified, go see your certified financial planner. Yep. And no, no matter which of those routes you go, part of the exercise is going to involve going through your budget. And, and I'd encourage you to go line by line and say, you know, when we spend money on this, is that more important or less important to us than funding college? If it's less important, then redirect those dollars to this big goal. And as I mentioned earlier, do it in an automatic way. Yeah, because a lot of folks get to that point. They get right up to education. They realize they haven't planned well for it. And so what they do is they put off their other big goal in life, which for most folks that's retirement. Yep. You don't get a second pass at retirement. You can get a, you can get a second crack at, at education planning, but not retirement. So I would say make sure you're not delaying and really um, jeopardizing potentially a, a, your other big goal in life. And the last thing I'd mention, we brought up, if you get to the point where it's now time to start saving, we talked about the 529 plan, especially if you're paying Indiana state tax. And we also talked about a Roth IRA. So look at those tools as well. So, all right. Thanks, Jason. Great question. Next question comes from Jill. Less detailed than Jason, but that's, that's okay. Jill from Edwardsburg. How do you know if you've got the right life insurance or not? Great question. My husband and I each have coverage through work, and we're starting to think we need more. How do I know what kind is right for us and how much we need? Thank you. Yeah, I think there's a lot of components to this question. I, I would almost frame it as a three-part question. Do you have the right type of life insurance? 
Do you have the right amount of life insurance? And then somewhere in there, you need to make sure that you're not paying too much for it. Oh my goodness, yes. yes. So you know, when it comes to the type of life insurance, um, there's, there's primarily two different camps that your policy could fall into. It's either term insurance, which is a temporary type of protection, or it's permanent, which theoretically you keep in place for your full lifetime. And which one makes sense depends on what your needs are in life. Right. It's completely situational. But That's right. Just so we don't lose folks, the permanent type of insurance that's intended for you to have for your entire life is commonly referred to as whole life or universal life or uh, variable universal life, something like that. So right. those, are the t- the, those are the two camps. But it's completely situational. And Jill, we just don't know enough about your situation there. But I mean, that's where I, I don't want to get us too far too quickly, but y- you really need a plan. You're, you're going to need to talk to someone to, to divulge those, those pieces of your financial life that will help someone determine what the right kind is. Yeah. And a lot of times when people come to us, they say, well, what is the right type? Is it temporary? Or permanent? Is it term or or whole life? What is like? There's some sort of a teacher's manual, and the answer is in the back of the book. And really, the the answer is what what is the need? Do you have a temporary need or do you have a permanent need? Yeah, and and that will because you don't. I just look at those as tools. Right. So term insurance is a tool, whole life insurance is a tool, and you don't go to your toolbox and say, hey, I love the wrench and hate the hammer. And not not that we love one over the other. I mean, we are, I would say, I mean, we help people solve this problem, and we're as unbiased as they get towards them. But there are a lot of people that have this fan-fueled hatred towards a certain type, as if one is evil, as if a screwdriver is evil, but the hammer is good, right? Yeah, and and to to say what you're not saying is there are a lot of people that don't like permanent insurance or whole life insurance. And I will tell you, if you have a permanent insurance policy, there is maintenance that needs to be done. There's some work involved with that. A term insurance is really simple. You just write a check once a year or once a month or however you do it, and you have it for a certain length of time, a certain amount for a certain length of time. There is more to it with permanent insurance, but typically you don't have permanent insurance unless you've got other complicating factors in your financial life. I think also that that perception of one is good and one is bad is the unfortunate truth, or maybe it's just my opinion, that often life insurance is a sold product as opposed to really a problem solver. And I think the industry bears that. That I mean, they are, they're even called life insurance salesmen. No, the right process is really figuring out what your issues are and solving the problem with the right tool. Not you know, going through a sales process. That's exactly right. And we tend to lean in the direction of using temporary insurance or term insurance for many of our clients. However, there are many examples out there of people who need a more permanent policy in place. I'm, I'm thinking, for example, of maybe parents who have uh, a child with special needs. So they may never get their financial life strong enough to be able to leave dollars behind for the benefit of that child unless they have life insurance always. Yeah, and Josh, you're talking about pro- problems that can be solved using life insurance and you say, well, you know, there are there are, you know, final expenses, there are, you need to protect your loved ones, you might need to pay off debt, fund unfunded goals. You might want to fund your charitable intentions. It might not be a child, it might be just a charity that you care about. That's a good point. 
Let's also not forget that life insurance is extremely difficult to even talk about. I mean, who wants to think about them dying or planning for that? So you've got a big emotional hurdle right away before you even get to the complexity of the tools. So great question, Joe. We've got more actually on life insurance coming up here in our next segment here on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's news channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike Bernard, and with me as always, Kevin and Josh. We've had an interesting show talking about all of your questions. And if you have a question for the show, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call, 574-222-2000. We want your questions on the show. We want to answer them for you and help you out. So uh, go there. We are right in the middle of a question that Jill had from Edwardsburg about life insurance. But before we dive in, Kevin, you've got, uh, what's it, a road trip coming up? Just a <laughs> <Yeah>. small country? <laughs> I guess I guess you could say it that way, Mike. We Yeah, we are headed to Liberia. And, uh, we. So you are, though. You I are. am. I am headed to Liberia. And my wife is uh, coming along with me. There are actually six of us that are going. And uh, I go to Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, and we are a church planning church. And so when we go over there, we're going to be launching a church church in Johnsonville. So um, mm, makes me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, there's already Augustine Robinson is already there. He's the, the the pastor, and he's planted the church. But we're doing the official launch when we go over there. We're going to be training some of the other pastors and some of the other leaders, as well as the the um, my wife, who yeah. is a teacher, and another teacher from Elgin, Illinois, are going to be working with the teachers and working with them on. Uh, on how to teach curriculum and reading and some other things. So, very exciting trip uh, lined up. This will be my fourth time in Liberia. The last time I was there, uh, we kind of got chased out of the country a little early by the Ebola virus. Yeah. So That was actually happening before you went, and you were just but like, you hey, we're going. Anyway. We're going. That's right. Daredevil. That's crazy. You came yeah. back, and I went to give you a hug, and you stopped me and said, Ebola. <laughs> okay, that was pretty funny. So, have you checked so, to make sure you. there aren't any outbreaks or anything going on here? Yeah, they're, the country isn't Ebola-free, but we're trusting that we're we're going to be in good shape. And we've got some pretty good intelligence, as we did before, yeah. um, and things changed. And, and uh, so it, things can change on a moment's notice, and we just have to be flexible. If there's anything I've learned about traveling to Liberia, which is one of the poorest countries in the world, it is you have to be flexible um, because... Uh, we make our plans, but God directs our steps. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, we'll be praying for you. That's awesome. You'll be missed, but we've got some guests coming up on the show, so uh, we won't miss you that bad. You'll notice a market improvement in the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we're still in the middle of answering Jill's question about life insurance, and basically she said she and her husband have some life insurance at work. They feel like they need more, so what do you, what do you suggest? Is there a right kind, right amount, and we're just getting to kind of the solution, what we'd recommend? Well, I, you know, answering the question, 
on amount of life insurance. To me, again, you you said this in the last segment, Mike, that this is very situational. And certainly stage of life that someone is in is going to influence the amount of life insurance that's appropriate. We don't know how old Jill and her family are. Um, But if they were in the earlier years, they may need more insurance to do things like pay off the mortgage or student loans. There may uh, need to have some money that are are set aside for the kid's education. Um, I'm a big fan of even squirreling away some money with life insurance to form maybe a baby-sized nest egg that can grow into a full-sized nest egg to fund retirement for the surviving spouse. Because maybe their ability to plan ahead for such a big goal is impaired when your income and you are gone. Yeah. So, you know, the the other issue would be the lifestyle that you want your family to be able to afford if you were to pass away prematurely. I, you know, you, you guys have seen, we've, we've talked about this, that I work with a lot of widows. And um, I've never seen a widow starve to death. I've never seen a widow become homeless. But I have seen widows who have a complete upheaval in the lifestyle that they're used to. And it's mm-hmm. all a function of was there enough life insurance? Were there enough resources that are being left behind? As they're picking up the pieces of their life, do they have resources to help fund that lifestyle moving forward? But widows can go homeless because of this. That's I know true. I'm talking to Casey. They do uh, a, a connection, a benefit with St. Margaret's House, and there's a gal who shares her story, and it it was because they didn't husband didn't have enough life insurance. Wow. So yeah, I, I, it can happen. I met with a gal in my very first year. She was in her mid-50s and had never worked outside the home. Her husband was a great provider and dropped over dead one day from a heart attack. And she had to go back to work. Her skills weren't sharpened in the way that she would have hoped in order to be able to make the kind of money that they were used to living on. And he hadn't planned for having a heart attack. Life insurance is for the unplanned. Because if it was planned and you knew about it, you'd never be able to afford it. Yeah. So, but that is a, that's a traumatic experience to talk to someone who has completely changed their standard of living because they didn't have a choice and and uh, the emotions that come along with it. You know, death is going to bring emotional carnage. Um, hopefully, it doesn't bring financial carnage. Well, so you've made the case then that you need life insurance, Josh. The geeky term that we use in the industry to describe what you were talking about is a needs analysis. Right. Go through and figure out what goals, if someone, if one of you, uh, Jill, or your husband passed away early, what of, which of your goals go unfunded? Mm-hmm. And would you, what sort of lifestyle would you feel accustomed to or want if it were just one of you? And we that that is an unbiased approach to me that that's how i would answer her question is what you need if you're trying to figure out what kind and what amount is you need an, uh, a life insurance needs analysis because it's completely unbiased it's based on you it frames the problem if something happens to one of you right now do you still have a mortgage would you need to sell the house would you would college be funded would retirement be funded and would your lifestyle be able to be supported by your income alone? And the needs analysis addresses all of those. And through that, you can determine whether you need term or permanent insurance and 
uh, and the amount that you need. That's right. A, a nerdy financial advisor can do the calculation on what the dollar amount is. That's me, folks. Yeah, that is you. <laughs> the nerd. <laughs> <laughs> However, even nerdy Mike can't decide what that lifestyle should look like for you. Yeah. And we, we work with a lot of people who say, well, boy, if, if mom or dad are gone, the kids are on their own for college. Or, you know, an equal number of people might say, no, if, if mom or dad are gone, then I want to make sure that my kids who just had their world turned upside down, they don't have to struggle through college in any way. So I want to have life insurance to fund that for them. It's all about your values and your priorities, though. And that's what a financial advisor can help you build a plan around. So the, the, to close it up here, we've got uh, have a plan or basically do a needs analysis and get some unbiased advice because of that. Don't, don't have someone sell you a product. Anything else you'd add, Kevin? To well, one of the things that we didn't throw in there, and we, we talked about a number of different uses for life insurance, but one of the... Uh, one of the big uses is estate liquidity. And in, in the news here recently, Prince just died. Yeah. And he died without a will. That's what they're thinking. And so that is that can be a huge problem. They're saying over half of his estate will go to the government. So when you think about it, when I die, am I going to pay taxes or will my estate pay taxes? Minnesota's top death tax rate is 16% and the federal government's 40% rate. So over half of his 200 to $300 million estate will likely go to the government. And you say, hey, if you, if you want the the state and federal government to be your main beneficiaries do no planning at all. I love what you're saying. You can't really talk about life insurance without also talking about the entire picture of planning for if something happens to you suddenly or early or earlier than you expected. So that's a great point. Okay, so we've had three great questions today. Let's go back and, and wrap it up. We've got just a minute left, but let's let's talk about Tom's question about starting to save for retirement at age 55. What were the big takeaways? Just, just maybe two. Well, for sure, I'd say the first one is to get started, and the second one is to have a plan, work the plan, throw off discouragement, control direction, but have a financial plan. We also said that that plan has to involve saving more. So re-examine your budget and find where are the dollars slipping through the cracks that could be captured for this really important goal. What about Jason and and college? What were the, the big takeaways there? Jason, you just have to, you have a big decision you need to make. What level do you want to fund your children's education at? Yep. And, and then once you decide that, then we can figure out what are the right tools for you to use and uh, the, the right strategies, the right structures to uh, use. And lastly, for Jill, don't be sold a product, but do a life insurance needs analysis. And as Kevin mentioned, even consider looking at your overall estate plan and all of that. That's, that's good stuff. So thanks for the question, guys. If you have questions, continue to submit them, wisemoneyradio.com or 574-222-2000. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike, and on behalf of me and Kevin and Josh and the rest of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday on Wise Money here on 95.3 MNC. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. 
KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.